Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 30 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. My guest today is a former Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion, a former Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team Champion, and he lives by the mantra of violence is the answer. He is Brody King. Brody, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, I want to ask you first off, uh, you were at the recent uh, TV tapings. Uh, I've asked a lot of guests about this when they've come on. Life in the bubble. Uh, what was that like for you? What did you do with your time while you were, uh, I guess, sequestered? Uh, so I thought it was kind of miserable, <laughs> to be completely <laughs> honest. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I've never been a person that likes... Uh, to be in isolation or just to be by myself. Uh, I've always, I don't know, even like when, when I am by myself, it's usually me playing video games with my friends that are in my head, you know, like I can hear them and talk to them. So it's like, I never really have a moment of like, I need to be alone. And then like, that is real. It's like a real testing thing. I think is just, all right, you're in this room, you're alone. Uh, the Wi-Fi is not good. So, <laughs> You can text whoever you want, but that's about it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was fine. Um, by the day that I get, we got our COVID results, uh, I was texting Ian King, and I'm like, the second you get my results, can I go to the gym? And he's like, yes. And it was like, right when I got my results, I, like, went straight to the gym just to, like, get out of my room and, like, do something else. <laughs> yeah, I guess being alone with your own thoughts sometimes can be uh, kind of monotonous or, or a dangerous thing. Yeah, uh, I, I'm just like kind of always on the go. And that was, it just kind of, you know, pulls the, the e-brake on you and you're like, all right, stop what you're doing. So let me just back, uh, back up a few months then. Um, the, the whole time that you were in quarantine uh, and you had to be at home, obviously you weren't alone. Uh, I know you were with your family at that point, but what did you do during those, uh, you know, five or six months that you couldn't get out uh, to wrestle? Uh so I pretty much completely remodeled my house, okay. uh, tore out my backyard, uh, put in grass and fencing and did a lot of manual labor, uh, redid two bathrooms, redid a back room. Um, yeah, my house looks awesome because of quarantine, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a child. Um, so I have a baby girl now as well as my son who's a toddler. So they've definitely kept me busy. Um, yeah, I mean like, you know, not to brag or anything, but quarantine has actually been pretty, pretty decent for me. Oh, well, congratulations on the new addition to the family. Thank you. So, yeah. So you basically, your wife gave you a honeydew list. Is that, is that how it went and said, let's get these things done around the house and you have no, no. excuse now not to get them done? <laughs> no, no way. My, my wife, uh, she doesn't do honeydews. I, I just kind of like, I get like an idea in my head and I just kind of go on a war path and then she like cleans the mess up behind me. <laughs> so, and, and it's usually like, you know, I'll start 
ripping out the backyard and then I'm like, oh, I think I want to start redoing the back room. And then I start doing both at the same time and she has to come out and be like, listen, finish one, then move on to the next. I go, okay, yeah, you're right. So it's like she kind of keeps me balanced and uh, keeps me on track. Okay. All right. So all these other people, myself included, we're like binge watching TV shows and, you know, probably on the couch more than we should have been. And, and, uh, and here you are, man, you just like putting us all to shame with, with what <laughs> I've never heard of anyone that productive during the quarantine. So kudos to you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so let me ask you about the empty arena, uh, that you got to perform in. How different was that for you? Was it, was it not that big a deal? I mean, once you're kind of in the zone mentally, uh, it's not that big of a deal, but obviously in this business, you know, the crowd and playing to the crowd is such an important factor. So what was that experience like? Um, well, I was fortunate to uh, have the ability to work uh, New Japan Strong uh, yep. here in California for a few tapings. Uh, so that was definitely, you know, a huge uh, tool to, to kind of get over that, like the no crowd thing. Um, yeah, the first couple matches, it's, it's weird, man. Like, you don't know if you need to slow down or go faster, like usually everything goes a little bit faster because you're not selling for a crowd. You're not interacting with the crowd. Um, but then you kind of like, you find your own pace and you kind of like almost imagine there being a crowd there and you start working the cameras more because that's where the crowd is. Uh, and yeah, I was, I was very fortunate to be able to, to kind of get over that hurdle in the new Japan strong tapings and um, apply that to the ring of honor tapings. And the one thing that Ring of Honor did that I, I really loved was they kind of had this 360 LED screen around you to where it really just like, it makes it its own thing. Uh, you're not looking at the dead space. It's like, a, you know, you're, you're in an arena, essentially. Uh, and you, you're not focusing on there not being a crowd. Like, it, it's, it's very different than than uh other things that i've seen yeah i would agree with that wholeheartedly that there's it's sort of been experimental i mean obviously no one's been through anything like this before wrestling companies were all trying to figure it out i think ring of honor did have the benefit of shutting things down for you know six months and could kind of see what worked what didn't what could be tweaked and um so that when we were ready to get back to shows we kind of had a good idea of um of sort of the way to do it. Not that there's, you know, there's more than one right way to do things, but I do agree with you. I think given the circumstances, ROH did make the best of uh, what you can do when there's, when there's no crowd. I mean, obviously it's different and it's a little weird, but I think, um, you know, certainly for the pure tournament, I, I know it definitely worked and uh, you know, we'll see with the second set of tapings, I guess yeah, I, the vibe was like. I can't agree more. Uh, you know, not to discredit any company at all because everyone, you know, needs to keep business going at whatever pace they feel they need to. But it was really cool that, you know, Ring of Honor was able to be like, okay, let's, let's hit the pause button. Let's figure out what we can do and how we can be different and make it presentable to, to our audience. And I think that they did a great job at it. Well, speaking about being different, I know you're going through a little transition right now of going from being um, a tag team guy, not that, not that you were ever really a quote-unquote tag team guy. That's sort of circumstances sort of put you um, in a team when you got to Ring of Honor. 
but now you're transitioning over into singles competition. And I know you had a match with Dalton Castle, which aired um, over the weekend. We're not going to give away spoilers because people may not have seen it yet. But uh, talk to me a little bit about your desire to make it in singles competition now. So, like you said, uh, I, I don't think I've ever considered myself a tag team wrestler. Like, I've been in tag teams. Obviously, PCO and I were very successful together as a tag team. Um, prior to being in Ring of Honor, I was in a longtime tag team with uh, Tyler Bateman. And uh, that was kind of my only experience with tag team wrestling. But I always very much focused on being a singles competitor. And uh, I think... Now it's it's more of the Ring of Honor audience seeing my true self, the real like the true Brody King and what I can bring to Ring of Honor and bring to professional wrestling. Um, I feel like there's there's not really a hurdle for me to like, okay, well I'm not a tag team wrestler anymore. How do I become a, a singles wrestler? It's like now you're just gonna see, you know, what I've been essentially holding back, I guess. Okay. Well, yeah, if, if my research is correct, uh, the match with Dalton was only your third singles match in Ring of Honor. You had one with Jeff Cobb, another one with Ray Horace, and I think Dalton was, was the third one, unless I'm missing one. Uh, I want to ask you about that match with Cobb, though, um, which was about a year ago, a little over a year ago. Um, I can't believe it's, it's been that long, but uh, that first singles match, it was before Death, the Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view. It was a dark match, so to speak. Um, or a, a uh, honor club exclusive, I guess would be more accurate. Did you feel like because that was your first singles match in Ring of Honor, um, that that was sort of an eye opener uh, for fans who maybe weren't familiar with, with what you did before you came to Ring of Honor? Did you feel like, okay, I've got something to prove because this is the first time they've seen me on my own? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was kind of multiple factors into that. I mean, Jeff Cobb is one of the greatest athletes, uh, I think, in wrestling today, if not ever. Uh, I mean, the man is, you know, his credentials speak for themselves, so to say. And to have my first singles match be up against him, that is like, I have to, I have to be at his level. If not, I have to exceed it. So that's already the first obstacle on top of that we're on the pre-show so it's like we're you know people people always have this like idea of you have to be the main event but i want every match to be the main event or me main event quality and i think me and me and jeff really saw that as an opportunity to really um you know try to steal steal the show essentially it was like, you know, if they're going to put us on the pre-show, then we're going to make it the best damn pre-show we can. And I, I think that that is one of my favorite matches, maybe in my entire wrestling career so far. Wow. Um, because both of us, we went out there and we really just, we didn't give it a, a pre-show dark match effort. We went out there like we were main eventing in Madison Square Garden and we beat the hell out of each other. And we, you know, we went for broke. Yeah, it was a great match to question about it. And I think the thing 
people need to understand is that, you know, pre-show or um, whatever you want to call it, I think does, you know, in some circles have almost a negative connotation. It's like, well, this wasn't good enough to be on the main show. And I know in Ring of Honor internally, I know we talked about um, that's that's not the mentality here. The, the idea is we want it to be a really good kick-ass match that people watch and think, wow, this is great. I just saw this for free. Maybe I'll want to buy the pay-per-view or maybe I'm seeing Ring of Honor for the first time because, you know, this match is free. I can watch it. And they, you know, the match is so good that they get hooked. So it's not like in any way it's a preliminary match or it's, you know, let's throw a couple of guys at the bottom of the card out there. Uh, the match with you and Jeff is a perfect example of that. I think we had Roosh and Flip Gordon uh, in another one of these pre-show matches. So I know that, uh, you know, the thought was never like, this is a match that's not, you know, quality-wise, pay-per-view worthy. It was actually just the opposite. So, um, you know, and I think that's why you guys were chosen to be in that spot. Same with Flip and Roosh and, and uh, you know, whatever other matches we've had in that spot. Uh, I want to talk to you, though, about um, – when you first came to Ring of Honor, uh, it was the end of 2018. You, uh, within a couple of months, you find yourself as a double champion. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, you were a tag team champion. You were also six-man tag team champion. And you won those titles back-to-back within a 24-hour span. Um, did you expect success? With a broken hand. Um, I'm sorry? With a broken hand. With a, I was going to get to that. I was going to get to wrestling <laughs> with injury. But, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, go ahead and talk about that. Uh, you know, having success that quickly just a few months in, you know, two belts to wear around your, your waist and doing it with a broken hand. Uh, so, when I, when I got the call from Ring of Honor, I didn't know what to expect. Um, at first, it was kind of like, hey – would you be interested in coming and doing a couple shows and like see where it goes from there? And then it like rapidly turned into, Hey, would you be interested in, in signing an exclusive contract? And it's like, I feel like, you know, that's most independent wrestlers dream essentially. And it's like, so it all kind of came really quickly and, you know, I was just happy to be asked to be there. And then they basically say, Hey, so this is the deal. Um, you know, Cody and the Young Bucks and all those guys, they're leaving. You are essentially now in the top group spot. So sink or swim. And <laughs> it's like, I, I thrive on competition. Uh, I thrive on constantly being pushed. I feel like if I'm not being pushed and if I don't have someone to compete against, then I'm not showing my best effort. And kind of being in that spot, it's like, you know, historically, Ring of Honor has produced the greatest wrestlers that the sport has ever seen. And that means a lot to me. And I want to be recognized with the greats one day. You know, obviously that's not now, but to, to come in and be positioned in the spot that we were at and then within a few months get that much success and then be in a huge match at Madison Square Garden, it's like, my thought was like, oh, man, I just got signed to Ring of Honor. Maybe I'll be in the ro- battle the battle royale at Madison Square Garden. And then it's like, oh, no, you're going to have like a championship title match there. That's mind-blowing. Yeah, and getting in the ring, you and PCO, getting in the ring at the Garden with uh, the Briscoes and the Gorillas of Destiny. I mean, you can't ask for a much more star-studded tag team match 
with yeah, gold on the line, two sets of titles on the line. The Briscoes are hands down, in my opinion, one of the greatest tag teams of all time in any company ever. And the Gorillas of Destiny, you know, they're, they've been proven time and time again to be one of the best, especially in New Japan for wrestling. Uh, so, yeah, and then Evil and Sonata, like, obviously their merits speak for themselves. So stepping into the ring with them was like, you know, we're, we're swimming with the sharks now. Uh, so that was a, a huge, huge moment. I have no question about it. Uh, you, you mentioned the Briscoes there again. I wanted to, to bring that up. Um, you, you did a video recently where you talked about some of the ROH originals, like the Briscoes, uh, like Samoa Joe and CM Punk and uh, Brian Danielson and Homicide. And, and you talked about really, I guess, wanting to kind of get back to that mentality that those ROH originals had. And it reminded me, when we had Rocky Romero on this podcast a couple of months ago, I don't know if you got to hear it, but he basically said in his mind, you're sort of the modern day Samoa Joe and you can be the Samoa Joe of this era in Ring of Honor. Um, can you just talk a little bit about that, about that comparison, first of all, and uh, the, the mentality or from a style standpoint, what you're trying to bring to Ring of Honor? Uh, I mean, I, I did not hear that one and I did not hear that compliment. Uh, that is it kind of, you know, takes my breath away a little bit. Like it, it kind of just gave me goosebumps. Like Rocky is one of my mentors. He uh, helped train me. Um, so for him to say that about me is, you know, there's no higher compliment. Samoa Joe, I think is one of the best big men of all time. Um, and Rocky got to work side by side with, with Joe for many years. He's good friends with him. So that compliment isn't, isn't taken lightly at all, but the guys that I mentioned in the video, of course, there's so many others, but like those guys specifically were the ones that, I, that made me love wrestling. Like it made me want to be the wrestler that I am today. I wasn't, I wasn't like, I was a huge wrestling fan as a child and then up until about 13 and then I kind of fell out of it. So I never really saw early ring of honor. I never really saw like Japanese wrestling or independent wrestling at all. I only knew of WWE. And then by chance I started to train to become a professional wrestler because I always wanted to try it. And that was kind of the first stuff that I got exposed to. And it was like, man, this is so much more raw and so much more aggressive and violent than like what was, of you know, popularly available at the time. And that's what really drew me into to wanting to be the wrestler that I am. And I think that guys like Joe and CM Punk and Homicide and Low Key and like those are the those are the the guys that created this this modern era of wrestling. Let me ask you about something else that was uh, very popular back in the day in Ring of Honor, and something that we've brought back, which is the Pure Title. What are your thoughts on that style of wrestling? Because it's it's very different than what we see from you inside, inside the ring. Um, so I feel like it's, it limits uh, what the potential can be of certain people. Um, I think people get a little bit too focused in on a certain style and they don't, they don't branch out of it. It's like you have Tracy Williams who without a doubt is one of the best pro 
technical wrestlers on the planet. So is Jonathan Gresham. Don't get me wrong. But are they limiting themselves by not seeing their full potential of letting that aggression out and maybe, you know, bending the rules a little bit? I'm not saying breaking the rules, but like maybe they're not giving it their full potential. Well, that's interesting. And it certainly makes for an interesting discussion and potentially interesting. Um, you know, what, what do they say about fights? It's all based on styles and things like that. So, you know, uh, the, the pure guys and, and the guys who wrestle maybe a little more aggressive style. I think that's uh, that would be interesting. You know, and I, yeah, I think it's a, like you said, it, it's definitely a mindset. Yeah. Um, you know, I the way I grew up and the and the the life experiences I've had, there's no rules in fighting. It's whoever is victorious at the end, whoever <laughs> walks away at the end, that's who wins. And the pure style, it just, you know, it's, it's just too, it's too, too many rules. It, it's not believable to me. Like, sure. You just had a great technical wrestling bout. But did the best man really win? Because he didn't get to really give it everything he had. Right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Let me ask you about a guy that um, was your tag team partner in Ring of Honor, obviously PCO. But again, for fans who maybe only know your Ring of Honor work, uh, you and PCO were opponents. You guys had a handful of matches before you came to, uh, to Ring of Honor. Is that something that you'd like to possibly rekindle? Uh, a, a, a program with PCO. Oh boy. Uh, let me tell you something. <laughs> Be, being on the same side as PCO is much better than being against them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, the man says it himself. He's not human. And I don't think you truly understand that until you go against him. Uh, the punishment that he is willing to put himself through and not, not even what you can do to him is, you know, unheard of. Yeah. The, the bump that he took outside of the ring at Madison square garden, getting power bombed over the top onto the floor, a 50 year old man or machine, whatever he is. <laughs> and then like, it's just up and walking around the next day. I would be broken in half for months. Yeah. Insane. The stuff he does is insane. Uh, the, the night that he took, he did the dive outside the ring and landed face first on the floor and had the huge gash oh. over his eye and, uh, and refused to quit. You know, yeah, just, the, yeah, Todd is essentially begging him to stop. And yeah. he walks over to me looking like he's in a slasher movie, just covered in blood. And I'm like, oh boy. And he's just like, I'm fine. I'm like, okay, like, here we go. And then like, we get to the back and, you know, you could basically see his skull at that point. You're like, ah, jeez. Oh, PCO, I don't know. I don't know if this is a good one, bud. And then he comes, he comes to work the next day and he goes, Oh man, this, this is gonna leave a great scar. Huh? It's gonna be great for the gimmick. I'm like, I don't think it's a gimmick anymore. Right. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Some somewhere along the way, uh, he is he is living the gimmick, and that's that's not just a, a saying or a cliche with him. It is it is legit. PCO yes. is is has become PCO for real. Uh, I want to ask you before we take our first break about one other guy in Ring of Honor who is probably as far on the other end of the spectrum from PCO as you could possibly get, and that's Danhausen. 
And uh, I know it's a guy that you've had some fun with on social media. The big news of this past week is that Danhausen has his contract. He is, he is officially signed with Ring of Honor. So I just wanted to see if you had any, any thoughts on that. Listen, the man possessed my wife. Yeah, I he, saw that. He impersonated me, and now he gets hired at my place of business. Uh, this guy's got it coming at some point or another. He is, he is a, uh, a fly constantly buzzing around my head at this current moment. Well, he is very nice and very evil. So, If you say so. Yeah. Well, he, he says so. I'm just repeating what he says. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take our first break. Uh, plenty more to talk about with Brody King right after this. Experience the show that's thrilling critics and fans. ROH TV. The reviews are in. It's completely different than anything in pro wrestling. I enjoyed every minute of this show. ROH TV delivers. Valiant Saint Raves. Take my money. This was awesome. Join the ROH stars for the hashtag watch ROH watch party every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. All right, we are back on the RRH Strong Podcast. My guest is Brody King. Uh, the music that you just heard uh, coming out of that break was by Brody's band, God's Hate. We'll talk more about that uh, later on in the show. First, I want to go back to um, when you were growing up as a wrestling fan. At, at what age uh, did you discover pro wrestling and, and, and get hooked on it? So uh, pro wrestling is some of my earliest memories as a child. Um, watching it with my dad and, you know, jumping off the couch and giving him elbow drops. Like those, those are the memories that I have that I, you know, I was probably three or four years old at the time. So it's like, whenever my memories, the, the earliest it goes back to those are, that's it. Okay. And now being a fan at that young age, uh, eventually that leads you to, which I'm sure this will probably maybe surprise some people that led you to amateur wrestling, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, so what, go ahead. So like, I don't think to the surprise of anybody, but my favorite wrestler was the undertaker. Uh, 
my my whole life. Uh, I never liked the Hulk Hogan's. I never liked uh, Ultimate Warrior. Really, like the eat your vitamins and do the right thing, kid. That was never the thing for a young Brody King. Which is it kind of like set the pace for my entire life, I guess. Uh, but yeah, um, getting into high school, you know, wrestling wasn't the cool thing to do anymore. It wasn't a cool thing to watch, but I could go and join the wrestling team where most of the people still loved wrestling and still wanted to, you know, when our coach was not in the room, try to give each other suplexes or give each other the rock bottom. So yeah, that that's kind of where, you know, my love of wrestling carried on to. Okay. I've talked to a few guys. Uh, I think Jeff Cobb is definitely one that comes to mind. He said that he got into amateur wrestling to prepare him for a career in pro wrestling. Like he, he was under the impression, like, that's how you do it. Like, um, you know, like uh, any other sport, you start off at the amateur level to become a pro. And of course, obviously he found out that's not quite how it works. <laughs> Uh, was that in your mind at all? Like, I'm, I, I guess not. You said you weren't really a fan. Your fandom had kind of waned a little bit at that point. So you just did amateur wrestling because you wanted to do that, not that you were preparing yourself for pro wrestling. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I wasn't a jock by any means, and I don't do well in team sports. Uh, I tried my hand in football. I hated it. Um, basketball and stuff like that. Like I tried every sport when I was a kid and I just didn't like any of them. Cause I didn't like the fact that I had to rely on somebody else to win. And then when it was like, Oh, well wrestling, while it is kind of a team sport, it is very much an individual sport. Sure. And that's like, okay, that's, that's the one for me. After high school, uh, you did go to college, correct? No, no, oh, you all. did not. No. Okay. Uh, no, co- School was done for me in high school. I, I absolutely hated school. Okay. Why not? Um, what I know you didn't get into pro wrestling until much later. I think you were 27 um, yep. when you started. So between the time you get out of high school and deciding to be a pro wrestler at 27, what are you doing uh, in that time in between? So, I, I mean, I, I signed up for community college. And I went maybe three days. And so you did just, go to college. I was right. Sure. I mean, <laughs> if that counts, I literally don't remember any class that I went into or <laughs> learned anything. Uh, but when my dad saw that I, I like, just wasn't interested, he was like, well, do you want a job? I was like, sure. And it, like, I was very fortunate that uh, both my dad and my grandfather um, were set lighting technicians. They, do lighting for movies and TV. Uh, and since I was 18 years old, I, you know, I've been a union set lighting technician. So I kind of started off having an adult job at 18 years old, which has its pros and cons. Uh, the pros is that you're making good money at a young age. The cons is that you are very much still in that high school brain mentality uh, amongst guys that are, you know, established in their lives. They have children and they have mortgages and they don't want to deal with the, you know, a, uh, an S word head kid. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so that was like, you know, challenging until I hit about 25 and realized that I, I can't 
tell everyone to uh, go screw themselves. And then, uh, you know, I started taking it a little bit more seriously until I uh, started training to become a professional wrestler. But uh, in that time, you know, I'd still been doing band stuff and touring with my band. And, you know, that my job was always a vessel to make money to do what I really wanted to do, which at the time was being a band and tour around the world. Okay. You mentioned being uh, a light technic technician on uh, movies and, uh, and TV shows. Like anything like uh, any particular memories, cool memories you have from that, any shows or movies that people would immediately know? Sure. Uh, yeah. I've worked on pretty much every large blockbuster movie in the last 15 years. Uh, my first, the first movies that I started working on were like Pirates of the Caribbean movies. So, you know, they had full scale uh, gimbal pirate ships on set with uh, stuntmen swinging back and forth, uh, you know, with a 360 blue screen that we were, were lighting because it's in the ocean. Uh, I've worked on the Spider-Man movies, multiple Mar Marvel movies and TV shows. Uh, yeah, a lot, okay. lots of lots of very big budget stuff. Yeah, so you you're not doing uh you're not doing the direct DVD stuff here. You are doing the blockbusters. Yeah. Wow. Did you ever while you were doing this? Um, well, first of all, two. I'm gonna ask you a two part question there. Did anybody ever see you? Obviously, you're a big dude. You kind of stand out. Did anybody ever come up to you and say like, "Man, you would be perfect for uh, a villain in a movie, or even an extra, or a stuntman?" And the second part of that is, did you ever have any aspirations, just kind of being around this atmosphere? Um, of getting into that line of it no uh so prior to wrestling i didn't i never had a beard so i was like very much like a without a beard i am like a complete baby face i look like i'm 20 years old <laughs> um, and at the time i didn't have visible tattoos i've been getting tattooed since i was 18 but i i confined them to like underneath my shirt and underneath my pants so like it, it wasn't until I was like 25, maybe 23 that I started like tattooing my arms. But uh, so, yeah, I was just very much just I kind of just look like a kid. So I don't think anyone really put that together. My dad, though, all the time would be like, how do you become a professional wrestler? You're big. You're you know, you're agile. How do you do it? And I'm like, I don't know. And then that kind of kind of led into, you know, what I'm doing now. You mentioned all of your uh, tattoos. That's something I was actually going to bring up to you. Um, was it always your goal? You said you got your first tattoo at 18. Was it yeah. like, all right, I think I want to get a tattoo. Let me, let me get one. Or was it always like, um, I want to tattoo my whole body. So I'm going to start with this first one and keep going. I've talked to a lot of people that have tattoos. And they say, once you get that first one, even if you just intended to maybe get one or two, it kind of becomes almost like, um, you become obsessed with it and, and nobody gets just one or two. They keep getting more and more. What was your initial thought? Was it just like, Hey, I'm going to get one. Or was it like, I'm going to get a lot. Oh, I, it was always a lot. I mean, okay. like I said, I, I've always been the kid that, you know, I idolized the undertaker and I liked Papa Shango and I liked uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. It's like all those guys were very heavily tattooed, uh, especially in a time where there wasn't a lot of heavily tattooed people. Um, you know, they both had, they all had sleeves. Bam Bam had his head tattooed. Uh, and I thought that that stuff was really cool. Uh, when I was a 
teenager, I used to buy like tattoo magazines and I would buy uh, Japanese tattoo books and just see like these huge bodysuits of guys. And it's like, that's just what I always wanted. When you're getting uh, ink, is it, uh, you want stuff that just like looks cool? Like, man, that looks badass. And, and I think that'll look cool. Or do you have certain ones that have like a, a deeper meaning for you? Uh, 99% of the time, it's like, draw whatever looks cool. Like whatever artist I'm going to, I'm like, do whatever you want. Uh, they'll be like, well, do you have like a certain idea? And I'll, I'll be like, I don't know, do like a demon or do a girl head or do a reaper. But it's like, it's always kind of like whatever looks cool, whatever I like. Uh, and then, you know, there's a few, like I have a, a memorial tattoo for my grandfather. I have my wife's name tattooed on me. I actually have her face tattooed on me too. But it's like, I have a few that, you know, are meaningful, but for the most part, none of them mean anything. Okay. I want to talk to you a little bit about the, uh, the straight edge lifestyle, because I know that's something that, that you're a part of, something you believe in. Um, what age did you become straight edge? 16. Okay. And, and what went into that decision for you? Because obviously 16, that's time when a lot of uh, people that age are getting into some things. Maybe they shouldn't drinking drugs, whatever it may be. What made you decide that you're going to go the other way? Uh, so like you said, 16 is the time that you, start going to parties in high school and you, your friends start to experiment with, you know, weed and drinking and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I myself probably drank, I don't know, five or 10 times, not a lot. Uh, I smoked pot a couple times and it was just like, I just didn't like it. I didn't like the taste of alcohol. I didn't like the feeling that getting high felt like. Uh, and then I found out about punk and hardcore music. Well, I was already very much into punk music since I was like 12 years old. But then I found out about hardcore music and that's kind of where Straight Edge came from. And then it was like, you know, if you were in school and you were like, I don't do drugs and I don't drink, people are going to look at you like, oh, he's, he's a square, whatever. But then it's like, you see this group of people that are, are Straight Edge and it's like, yeah, we don't drink, but if you make fun of us, we're going to beat the crap out of you. It's like, <laughs> yep, I, I'm that guy. That's me. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of like where I identified with it. And then I've just never had a desire to do any of it. I just, it just all kind of pointless to me. Okay. Well, I, and I was going to say too, when, when uh, you're the size that you are and, and as tough as you are, um, yeah, peer pressure is not going to be a thing really. I don't think nobody's going to pressure you into doing anything you don't really want to do. Yeah, I've never, I've never been a big peer pressure guy. Yeah. So let me get uh, back. Let me circle back to wrestling a little bit. You decide uh, 27 years old or so you're going to start training. You started with, uh, was it the Santino brothers right away or did you get to them later? Uh, no. So one of my friends, um, his girlfriend met a, an old worker, this guy named Augie Loya. And he was like, yeah, I used to wrestle in the, in the nineties. Um, I have a friend that has a school called the Santino brothers wrestling Academy. And uh, if your boyfriend ever wants to, you know, do a couple training sessions just to see how it is to run the ropes and take a bump, like I'll, I'll give him a couple classes. So my friend Colin uh, went and did it and then posted a couple pictures. And I was like, wait a second, 
how do you do, how did you do this? How do I do this? Uh, and we start, we started asking more questions and, um, Augie said, well, they're having a, a school showcase on Friday if you want to go. And, uh, we went and that was my first exposure to like independent wrestling. We were in the Santino school, which is in a, a little, um, industrial center in Bell Gardens. And I, I fell in love with it. I saw Tyler Bateman the first day that I saw independent wrestling. Oh, wow. And look, and look where you guys are now. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Bateman, Bateman was, uh, he was there on the first day of my training. Uh, we used back, back before there was like a very strict curriculum at Santino's, uh, we used to do, they used to do like a shoot wrestling a little bit for warm up, which obviously I was very comfortable with. And uh, Bateman made the, the comment that I was like wrestling a refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, but you were a refrigerator who could do things that, you know, guys half your size could do. And that was going to be my next question was, you're very well versed in the Lucha Libre style. Um, how did that come about for you? Because obviously with a guy your size and your skill set, um, you know, you don't necessarily need to do those things, but you're capable of doing them. Uh, how, did the, how did you get into the Lucha Libre aspect of, of the business? So uh, in the Santino Brothers uh, school, um, there is a Lucha portion of it. One day a week is, just, is dedicated to Lucha Libre. And the teachers are Zocre and Phoenix Star. Uh, they did a lot of early PWG stuff. Um, very, very good professional wrestlers especially luchadors and uh, they just kind of, you know, they never wanted to take it to that next level, but they're incredible teachers. And like I said before, my spirit of competition sometimes outweighs my uh, brain. <laughs> and it, it's like, I can do that. And it's like, even if my body's like, maybe you shouldn't, it's like, Nope, we're going to do it. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of where we got with, uh, with lucha it's like it also like jake atlas who who had wrestled for ring of honor he now wrestles for nxt he him and i we started at almost the same exact time so we were very much on the same trajectory and he is an incredible athlete uh he is a experienced gymnast uh a cheerleader so it's like flipping and stuff was just natural to him and my big dumb self was like well if he can do it so can i uh, not not realizing that he's been doing it for years. So it was like, you know, me and him trying to do the same things and me being a little bit better at basing and him being a little bit better at flipping and kind of finding the, the middle ground. But uh, I'll, I'll never forget the first day that we were doing dives. Uh, my coach said, okay, we're going to learn how to do a tope on Hilo, which is the flip over the top. Right. And they're like, who wants to try it first? And I said, I'll do it. And then I did it perfectly. And they're like, what the hell? Like, how did you do that? I'm like, I've been doing this for years <laughs> at, you know, at punk rock shows doing stage dives. Well, I could say this, uh, whether it's, whether, you know, if I was at a show, I'm talking about, a, a you know, in a mosh pit or whatever, if I'm at a, if I'm at a, a, a concert, and you're on, you're on stage and you're going to be doing a stage dive coming at me. Or if I was in the wrestling ring and you're doing a dive at me, I mean, that's got to be a little bit of a frightening sight, 
is a guy your size diving at you. It like eclipses the sun as I'm coming <laughs> over you. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot to that is a lot to a uh, lot of impact there. It's it's really interesting. I think with your style is you use your body really as as a weapon. I mean, you're throwing your body around um, as much as you're. Uh, you know, performing moves on people uh, where you grab a hold of them and do something. It's just, it's like you throwing your body, you know, with reckless abandon. So um, I, I, f- I think that that is what really makes me stand out from a lot of competitors is I kind of have a, like you said, a, a reckless abandon. I'm willing to be a little bit more physical than most people. Have you ever had a trainer or a promoter, anyone say, dude, you're, you're too big. You shouldn't be doing this kind of stuff, like slow down or um, work safer or whatever the, you know, work, what is it? Work safer, not harder, work whatever. Smarter, the not harder. smarter, not harder. Right. Not that you're not yeah, safe. Uh, yeah, work smarter. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my trainer, Joey chaos, he would tell me that all the time. He's like, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. And I'm like, uh, I disagree. <laughs> but, you know, now that I've had, you know, multiple injuries and I kind of see where he's coming from. <laughs> so it's like, I definitely feel like I found that, um, that middle ground, that, that point where I can do some of it, but not all of it. And, you know, make it make sense and make it mean more um, without sacrificing my body too much. Right. Right. Exactly. I think that's the worry sometimes uh, with guys like you or PCO is just, you know, it's like, sometimes you see you guys doing this stuff and you're like, Oh my God, no, no, don't do it. And then you do it and it's amazing and it gets a huge pop and you guys are okay. And then it's like, wow, that was amazing. But as, as it's happening, it's like almost like you want to shield, shield your eyes from it. <laughs> um, you talk about injuries though. And, you know, we mentioned earlier the, the broken hand. I know that you wrestled with a, uh, a broken jaw and your jaw wired shut. Yep. Uh, man, like that's just sounds insane to me. Like, how did, how did that, I mean, did you ever think about not doing that match, like bowing out because, you know, your jaw's wired shut? Nope. <laughs> so uh, I had, when I got signed to Ring of Honor, uh, it was December 2018. And I was champ, I was champion at a couple companies, one being AAW in Chicago, and the other one was Santino Brothers at, at my home promotion. So I debuted December 18th. Is that what you said? I think that was the day. Uh, December of 2018. Yeah. Okay. So it was like, it was the middle of December. I debuted. My jaw was fine. And then it's like, I'm fulfilling the rest of my dates uh, to kind of, you know, drop the title or, you know, just kind of wrap everything up. And in my match with Jake Atlas uh, at Santino brothers, uh, I took a super kick a little bit too hard to the face and I fractured my jaw, uh, had emergency jaw surgery the next day, uh, two days before Christmas. And the doctor said, you can absolutely not wrestle for at least six months. And all that's going through my head is, well, I got three more indie dates to fulfill and I just signed a full-time contract with ring of honor. So that is not an option. (laughs) And, uh, Five days later, I wrestled Sammy Callahan in a cage match. And then I wrestled Darby Allen in a no ring match. Uh, and then I, 
came back to Ring of Honor and uh, wrestled a few more matches with my jaw wired shut. I mean, are you trying to protect yourself? Do you tell the guy like, hey, make sure you don't hit me in the jaw? Um, like, I just like, what is it like going in there knowing that you have, you know, this massive, uh, and I don't want to say target on you, but like, you know, you don't want to get hit in the mouth, I guess, at that point. So what is the approach? Uh, I mean, there's, there's that, that line in the song. What is it? Uh, if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough. <laughs> so I think that kind of plays into it a little bit. I don't think I'm a, a stupid person by any means, but you know, I, I would think that a more intelligent person would maybe take the doctor's advice and, and stop wrestling for six months. Yeah. I just, I just, I just felt like that that wasn't an option for me. I felt like I had a lot of momentum uh, at the time and I felt that my body could take it. Um, we'll see in 20 years if that is true or not. <laughs> but as of right now, you know, I got half my jaws is uh, permanently numb because I severed the, uh, the nerve in it. And I, sometimes I drool a little bit, but you know what? <laughs> I, it, it makes for a great story. There you go. All right. Was, was breathing an issue with, Oh yeah. So that was the thing that I didn't take into account. So, um, I was like, okay, I can talk. Cause I, I learned that I could talk while clinching my teeth pretty well. Eating sucked. Uh, so like I said, I, I broke it a few days before Christmas. Um, on Christmas, my wife blended up a prime rib for me and I sucked it through a straw. Uh, but on the road, my, my, meals were muscle milk i would have eight muscle milks a day and that's that's all i got to eat i lost 35 pounds because my jaw was wired shut wow um, yeah it's it was that was the worst part of it was just like the the mental agony of being starving at all times no i was just gonna say it's a good thing you're not lactose intolerant with all those muscles. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah it was like the 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 talking the eating that the, well the talking was fine eating sucked and then when i was in the match my first match uh back with the wired jaw my hair went in front of my face and i breathed in my hair and i didn't take into account that i couldn't open my mouth to take the hair out <laughs> so now i'm like gagging on my hair i'm blown up because i need to breathe and it's just like this is absolute hell. <laughs> it was like, well, we got to make it through somehow. <laughs> well, so, <and> yeah, <laughs> that part sucked. I can imagine. Yeah. So, so kids, don't try this at home. If you, if yeah. you have your jaw wired shut, do not wrestle. I mean, you know, we we I've always read stories of of uh, how tough wrestlers were. You know, like Bob Orton with a broken arm, or you know, other guys wrestling with torn ligaments or broken bones and it's like man those guys were tough as hell but then when you're in the moment you're kind of just like you just do what you got to do or you you do what you feel is necessary at the time well i you know hey no one's ever going to question your toughness brody i think that's, uh, that's <laughs> a fact that is a fact all right we're going to take another break and when we come back we're going to talk about other things uh besides pro wrestling with brody right after this 
I'm Quinn McKay, the host of Ring of Honor's weekly YouTube show, Week by Week. Join me every Tuesday for brand new episodes as we catch up on all of the groundbreaking ROH news and get exclusive comments from some of your favorite ROH stars. We also have some great weekly segments like Question of the Week, This Day in History, and Brian Zane's Top 5. Join me every Tuesday at 1 p.m. on social media and youtube.com slash ring of honor for week by week. on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is Brody King. We touched a little bit on uh, your band, God's Hate, and we've heard uh, a couple clips coming out of these breaks. Um, how long has the band been around? Uh, so we started in 2014. Okay. So, and so not long before my wrestling career. Okay. And what is the status of the band at this point? Are you still are you putting out new music? Uh, what's, what's going on there? So we have finished recording a record. Uh, unfortunately, due to COVID, the uh, pressing plants are very backed up uh, with records. Uh, so it's in production. Uh, it should be out at the early part of next year. But yeah, we got a new record coming out. Okay. And you are the lead singer. Uh, you, don't, you don't play an instrument in the band, right? You are the lead singer. Yes, I do not play an instrument. Okay. Do you write the lyrics? Yes. Okay. Now, what are some of the uh, themes as far as the writing goes that, that you explore? Uh, so the, the main tone behind God's Hate is like social injustice, social unrest. Uh, obviously, religion is a, is a big part of it uh, or the lack thereof. Uh, and just being... Um, I don't know if self-empowerment is the right word, but just like believing in yourself, I guess, in, in, in uh, it, it makes it sound more positive than it really is. But yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of like where I've always gone with it. It's just like uh, eternal in, I would say internal struggles is better is a better word. Internal struggles, um, social unrest and uh, religion. Okay. And I guess the band is probably, uh, I mean, you play mostly around uh, the California 
area or have you actually gone out on the road a little bit? Oh no, we've, we've toured the country. Oh, okay. uh, we've toured through Canada. We have toured Japan. Um, yeah, we've been all over the place. Okay. Have you wrestled in Japan too? Yes. Okay. That's uh, right. You were the best of the super juniors. You were there, right? Yes. And then we were supposed to do tag war or uh, tag league last year, but I injured my knee, unfortunately. Right. What were some of the bands uh, that influenced you when you were younger that made you want to get into this scene? Uh, at first, uh, the hardcore bands that got me into hardcore music was Hatebreed, uh, Terror, uh, Throwdown, stuff like that. I mean, just more aggressive, in-your-face music. Uh, bands like Donnie Brook, The Warriors. Uh, and then getting into uh, or starting God's Hate, we just wanted literally our, 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 we just wanted the heaviest band that we could possibly make. Uh, but big influences from bands like Hatebreed and Marauder and this band Stigmata, um, upstate New York Troy Corps bands. I'm sure this is like me uh, speaking a different language to you. But uh, for those who understand, they, they might be a little excited about it. Uh, what, do you think I'm not down with the, with the hardcore scene? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. No, Still, actually. Don't tear it up a little bit? <laughs> actually, I'm a little bit older. I'm probably a lot older than you. So, you know, I grew up in the, uh, in the metal scene, more, you know, heavy metal of like, uh, you know, I was a big Kiss fan and still am. But I grew up in the Ozzy, Iron Maiden, you know, even, you know, Metallica. That's kind of my thing. More yeah. so than, I guess, uh, what do you classify it as? Is it a hardcore metal? Or, I mean, I know we don't like to put labels on things, but is that... Just just a hardcore band. Just a hardcore band. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to to the to the average person, it, it would definitely be more metal, a metallic band. But uh, hardcore is very much a, um, a mindset. And, and it's very much a, like, it's its own thing. Like it could sound a million different ways, but it's, it's whatever you are, the, the message you're delivering and the, you know, your morals as a band and like your community, that's what makes you a hardcore band. Okay. All right. I'd say probably the heaviest thing I'm into, which is probably not anywhere near like the same kind of genre is, is Slipknot. I don't know if, if that's a band that you're a fan of or, or no. Uh, when I was when I was a child, I was a fan, but yeah, not not really in the same same uh, realm. Right, I didn't think so. Although you know, for me, for me, that's about as hard as it gets. Duality sure. was, was uh, you know subliminal good, verses. Was good, a, good song. Yeah, a great song, right? All right, we're gonna change gears here. Hundred, you know, full spectrum again, the other end from uh, from your hardcore band, and I want to talk to you about cooking because. People may not know this, but like you're very into cooking, aren't you? Very into cooking, yes. Tell us about that. So uh, cooking has always kind of been in my life. Uh, my grandfather was a, a cook. He always cooked for the family. Uh, my dad owns a barbecue business uh, where they cater and like do special events and stuff. And so it's always just kind of been around. Uh, I've always known how to cook certain things pretty well, but in quarantine, it really got me to like, uh, I think the first week of quarantine, I went out and bought a smoker and I was like, I'm going to learn how to smoke meat, which obviously my dad 
doing that was able to give me some great tips, but I kind of just kind of took the ball myself and ran with it and watched a lot of YouTube videos and uh, trying to master the art of smoking meat and also just making the perfect steak. So do you do all the cooking in your house or do you, you take turns with your wife or how does that, how does that work? Oh yeah. I do all the cooking. Uh, my wife is, is a, is a lot of great things. A cook, maybe not one of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like last night uh, I went over to my parents' house and that my dad bought all the stuff and I cooked it all. And that's kind of where we've gotten to at this point. Uh, I started a Twitch show called Brody a la King, where I was just, I would just like take suggestions of recipes or I would just try new recipes and try to make them. And yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And I, I really like uh, pushing my, myself in a, in a different creative way while wrestling is not available. Do you find it relaxes you? Yeah. It, cooking is very therapeutic for me. Brody a la King. That might be the best title I've ever heard. <laughs> That's outstanding. Thank you. <laughs> I want to go into another subject now. Um, you had told me once before, a previous interview I did with you, you said that you were getting into magic and sleight of hand type stuff. Are you still into that? Uh, no. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's still incredible to me and it still amazes me. But it is very difficult. And I don't think that my large hands uh, are meant to be a magician. Well, I don't know. Are lar is, it, is it better to have large hands so you can conceal stuff or, or, or no? I don't know. I just, I, maybe I just don't have the talent. Okay. Well, you can't be good at everything. I mean. I, yeah. You know, you're right. And also, that's, that's another thing is my wife is always like, you can't have another hobby because I have a lot. And she's like, you can't dedicate yourself to another thing. You got to just be good at a couple things. <laughs> well, you are, you know, you're like a rena modern day renaissance man. I mean, you do the music thing. You're, you're a professional wrestler, expert cook, you know, maybe dabble in magic a little bit. So, I mean, what else, what other interests do you have? Like, what else would you like to get into? You mentioned you have all these, you know, different things. Like, what are some other things that you want to, you want to try or that you're already trying? Uh, well, I, I love video games. That's just kind of like a, a pastime. It's not really a hobby. Uh, I've gotten really into coffee lately. Like I never really drank coffee before and I kind of want to, you know, learn the process of making good coffee. Uh, so who knows, maybe there might be a Brody King coffee shop someday, but, uh, yeah, my whole thing is like, I've always hated when I would go to work and I would hear somebody tell me that they don't have time for something. And I just go, why? Like, why don't you have time for it? It's because you don't make time for it. Like I have two kids and a wife and a job, technically two jobs. And I still find time to do other things. It's like, just don't be lazy. And I think laziness is like, that is like my biggest pet peeve is don't tell me you can't do something because you're not willing to try it. When I was in wrestling training, I was working 50 to 60 hours a week and then going to training four to five hours a night. I would wake up at 4.30 in the morning and I would go to bed between 11 and midnight. It's like I didn't sleep much, but I uh, somehow made a career out of 
what was my hobby at the time. And, you know, I, I just, people might think it's crazy for me to kind of take on so much at once, but in my head, it's like, well, one day I might be able to use this. It's like one day, maybe I can open a restaurant if I'm not able to rest or, or wrestle anymore, or maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe I could become a, a magician one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think there's something to be said for being well-rounded, you know, and something to be said for not putting your, all your eggs in one basket as the cliche goes and having a, you know, a plan B and a plan C plus, you know, it's just kind of cool to have a lot of different interests. I'm kind of the same way. Like, you know, a lot of people have like this one thing they're really passionate about. And it's like, I don't have that one thing. It's like, I'm passionate about professional wrestling and I'm passionate about, you know, the NFL and certain bands and certain movies. It's like, I have a lot of different passions. I don't think there's anything, you know, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's cool, man. Like, I, I, I hate when you talk to somebody and it's like, so what are you into? And they're like, oh, you know, I just go to work. And you're like, okay, <laughs> what else? And then it's like, well, I don't know. You're like, what? Like, you're talking to like a robot at that point. Right. Hey, man, you only go around once, right? You might as well try to get into as much, much stuff as you can. So. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I want to go down with, with some good stories. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, we should always be learning and evolving and, you know, now I'm getting a little preachy here on my soapbox, but um, <laughs> I like it. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong, with, like I said, with being well-rounded. Um, before we go to our last break and do the uh, 10 questions thing, I want to ask you about social media. Um, are, are you very active on social media? And, and if so, like, where can people find you? Uh, I try to be, you know, fairly active. Uh, sometimes social media in general can just be a little bit mentally taxing, but you know, I, I try to make the, the best of it. And, um, Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Brody X King. Um, I don't really use Facebook anymore. Uh, and my Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash Brody X King. And how about your band? Where can people uh, find God's hate information uh, and, and music and stuff like that? So God's hate is taking the, the more punk rock approach and we do not have social media. <laughs> but you can find us on uh, any platform to find music, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Bandcamp. Uh, if you follow our record label uh, at Closed Casket Activities, uh, that is probably the best place to get news on God's Hate. All right. Very good. All right. Well, we're going to take our final break. And then when we come back, we're going to play 10 questions with Brody King. I'm Maynard the Malt Maker. I'm Mega the Bard. I'm Ander the Barbarian. I'm Santi the Bard. I'm Thea the Wizard. And I'm Tracy Williams. And to see which character I'll be playing, make sure you tune in to episode three of Role Play of Honor, brought to you by Ring of Honor. Join these stars and more for Role Play of Honor. Hey, Honor Nation. Check out the new and improved Ring of Honor shop at shophonor.com. Shophonor.com turns ordinary online shopping into a truly immersive experience. Our new mobile-friendly design is enhanced for better navigation and search. The recommended for you feature will showcase products based on your unique preferences, or find exactly what you want as you filter any category by your favorite wrestler, size, or color. Go to shophonor.com now.
right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is Brody King. Brody, it's been a, a fascinating conversation. I think you're, uh, you're certainly one of the more interesting guys um, that I've talked to. I don't, and I'm not I'm saying that generally. I'm not putting any you know, previous guests on. You hear that, everyone? <laughs> you're into so many different things, and, and you're the you're the classic case of don't don't judge a book by the cover. I think people might look at you and get a certain uh, opinion, preconceived notion. Uh, of what you are or aren't. And, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, you, you know, you got a lot of things going. I think when they look at you, they wouldn't necessarily think, you know, world-class chef or, or uh, you know, some of the other things that you're into. So, Or that um, I'm obsessed with uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brody, are you ready for some 10 questions? Let's do it. And it is now time for 10 Questions with Kevin. All right, question number one. What is something on your bucket list? Oh, boy. Um, probably opening a restaurant, if not having like a pop-up restaurant. Okay. That certainly makes sense, given your, your love of, of cooking and so on. Uh, question number two, if you could have a conversation with any person past or present, who would it be and why? Oh my God. That's a hard question. That's a deep one, right? That is a deep one. Hmm. Past or present and why? Probably Henry Rollins. Okay. Uh, Henry Rollins has always been kind of an, um, an idol of mine. Uh, I don't idolize a lot of people. But the, he's always kind of been an idol of mine. And he's, uh, you know, another man that's multifaceted. He yep. he was a musician. He's an actor. He's a, a writer. Um, and I don't know. He's just very inspiring and intelligent. And I, I, I feel like I, I fall in line with a lot of his point of views. Absolutely. He is definitely a renaissance man as well. I, I could... I could see you as kind of the Henry Rollins of uh, professional wrestling. I, think. I appreciate that. I could see that. All right, question number three. We know that you're a pretty scary guy yourself, but what scares you? Cockroaches. Well, I'm with you on that. Uh, you on that. Absolutely terrified of them. Uh, I have an actual phobia of cockroaches. If they are near me, I don't like seeing them on on a picture. I don't... Nope, I'm good. I'm all set. I'm with you, man. And the scary thing is they're so fast. No, that's that's what terrifies me. The way they move is the most terrifying part. Yes. All right, question number four. What actor would play you in your life story? Uh, man. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy from uh, How I Met Your Mother. Uh, Siegel, Jason Siegel. Oh, okay. Everyone's uh, always said that I look like Jason Siegel, so maybe him. All right, yeah, I see that. Just put a lot, of, put a beard on him, put a lot of tattoos. <laughs> right. All right. Question number five. You mentioned earlier who your favorite wrestler growing up was. Did you have a least favorite wrestler? Uh, so ironically, my least favorite wrestler. Well, my least favorite wrestler for the most part was Hulk Hogan. Uh. But then later on, I, I, for some reason, hated Rey Mysterio Jr. 
<laughs> I don't really even have a reason to. Like, which is hilarious now because it's like he's absolutely one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And since becoming a wrestler, like, you know, he's like a an idol and an icon. But I just did not like him for some reason. Huh. Okay. All right. I'm trying to think of the Hulk Hogan thing, though. I, I'm with you on, you know, the, the say your prayers, take your vitamins guy definitely got a little obnoxious. The Hollywood Hogan thing was pretty cool, though. Were you, were you watching at that point, the Hollywood Hogan years? Oh, yeah. I just thought it was corny. I just thought he was a, you know, he, he was just a goofball. I also didn't like WCW. I only watched WWF. Really? Okay. Which is hilarious because, you know, at certain points, WCW definitely had the better wrestling. Yeah, but at I, certain I, points. I, I was I was a I was a diehard WWF Undertaker guy. I hated Sting because I, I would say maybe Sting is my most hated wrestler because he was a fake Undertaker. <laughs> the Crow Sting, of course, not the flat top sting. Yeah, flat top yeah. sting is okay in my book. Crow okay. Sting, you can go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> All right, question number six. What is the first concert that you attended, if you can remember? Um So I, I know like I went to like Weird Al concert when I was like a, a kid at like the fair. But that I don't think that really counts. Uh probably just like a local punk rock show. Uh I think I saw the band Guttermouth uh when I was like twelve or thirteen years old. They played in my lo- in my hometown. Yeah, I, I'm. This will probably shock you, but I'm not familiar with Guttermouth. <laughs> All right, question number seven. Um, I know that you're a married guy, but I'm going to ask this question: Do you have a celebrity crush? And if you don't have one now, did you have one when you were young? Lady Gaga. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> uh, I love Lady Gaga. She might actually be tied with Henry Rollins on a person that I would like to sit down and have a conversation with. Wow, that much. Yeah, I have a tattoo of Lady Gaga on my leg. Now, why? What, what is it about her that, that fascinates you so much? Obviously, musically, she's she's certainly a lot different than the kind of stuff that you're into. Oh, no, not at all. I huh? No, not at all. Kevin, I'm a huge, huge pop music fan. Massive. I probably listen to pop music as much as I listen to heavy music. Um, I love... Fleetwood Mac. I love, you know, any 80s stuff, but I especially love like Britney Spears, uh, Katy Perry, <laughs> Lady Gaga. Like that, that's my, that is my wheelhouse, man. See, I can't, yeah, tell, Lady, I, I can't tell if you're ribbing me or if you're serious. Not at all. One million percent serious. Next time I see you, I'll show you my Lady Gaga tattoo. Okay. Uh, but yeah, she artistically, uh, I would say, like you know, her her bravery as a as a musician and as an artist is is amazing. Uh, she's extremely multi talented. I don't know if you've seen A Star Is Born, but that movie is unbelievable. Um, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely multi talented. <laughs> um, her music isn't necessarily my cup of tea, although I do like some songs. But the thing she did with Metallica, I thought was really good. Moth to the Flame. You, you remember yeah. that? Yeah. Yep. I just I think that she's a uh, unapologetically herself and i think that she is an unbelievable artist and she's beautiful 
All right. You know, I'll tell you what, I didn't really know a whole lot about her until uh, I was a big fan of American Horror Story. And when she came on American Horror Story, that's when I really oh, discovered. Oh, boy. Movies. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> she sure did come on American Horror Story. Yeah, she knocked it out of the park, right, as a vampire. She was unbelievable. Yeah. I was like, okay, now I see why people are into her. And that's when I, I, you know, <laughs> I started, um, you know, dabbling in the Lady Gaga just a little bit. And so, yeah, I do like some of her stuff. Okay. Well, hey, and, and, again, you're well rounded. And of course, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You have a celebrity crush on Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, who doesn't? Okay. Well, that's true. That's true. Rock's a good looking man. I, and I'm not <laughs> saying anything about that for sure. All right. Well, speaking of Rock, the biggest movie star, number question number eight, what is your favorite movie of all time? Beetlejuice. Huh. Okay. It's funny you say Beetlejuice because I have a lot of, uh, like my family loves Beetlejuice. I have a lot of, you know, I know a lot of people love Beetlejuice. I went to see Beetlejuice in the theater when it came out. And it's one of the only movies that I, I didn't walk out, but I almost did. I was so bored by it. And, wow. and I tried to watch it later. I gave it another chance, like later in life. And it still just does. I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. I don't get Beetlejuice. <laughs> uh, do you not like comedy? Do you not like humor? I love comedy. I just don't <laughs> find the humor in like, I don't know. It's just not that funny to me. I think it's unbelievably funny. Uh, Michael Keaton is an unbelievable actor. Winona Ryder is unbelievably beautiful. Um, I just watched Edward Scissorhands last night, and she's in that as well. And yes. Boy, oh boy, is she, you know, great actress. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Beetlejuice is, it was my favorite movie as a kid, and then into my adult age, it's just always, it's always been my favorite movie. That and uh, Young Frankenstein. Okay, now I'm with you on that one. Young Frankenstein is a classic, for sure. And I know the Beetlejuice thing. I know I'm in the minority. I just... It, I don't know. It just—it just seemed the, the jokes in it just seemed lame to me. I don't know. <laughs> and, you know, I love Michael Keaton and I love Gina Davis too, but I don't know. Gina Davis is smoking hot too. No question about it, and she's aged very well. Oh yeah. All right. Question number nine. I, I thought I heard a dog barking earlier d during this show. So I'm, my question though is: Are you a dog person, cat person, both, or neither? dog i mean i have four dogs they're all psychotic uh but they're all small they i have three french bulldog boston terriers and one dotson the dotson is my wife's dog yeah <laughs> well course. i i've i've adopted him at this point he's been with me for nine years but uh he's still you know he's grumpy a lot okay. <laughs> see once again you would think brody king would have like uh rottweilers or something <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I love uh, small dogs. Yeah, me too. I, well, another thing we have in common. Yeah, we have we have little fluffy dogs here as well, two of them, um, but no cats. I never, no cats I never, I've never understood cats. I've never had that uh, that bond with a cat. Yeah, me neither. Well, well, I'm allergic to them, so I can't have them, which, you know, to my daughters, I have two daughters, to their dismay, they want cats, and I, of course I can't because I'm allergic, but... Even before that, like they just don't connect with you the way dogs do. Exactly. Yeah, they're kind of jerks, you know. I don't know how Dalton Castle puts up with cats, but <laughs> well, he's kind of a jerk. Well, you could say that. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> All right. Question number ten. Uh, this is a little bit of a broad one as well. 
But, you know, we're a couple weeks away from Thanksgiving. So what are you thankful for? Uh, my family, I guess. My health okay. for what it is. And, uh, you know, just thankful to to have a job during uh, a pandemic that, uh, you know, to, so I'm able to support my family. All right. Very well said. Well, Brody, this has been, uh, like I said, a fascinating conversation. You're, um, this is the long, you know, we, we've, we've sort of talked a little bit in passing here or there to show hello and a handshake. This is the first time we've really got to have a conversation that was uh, very interesting. You're, you're, like I said, you're the kind of guy you uh, certainly can't judge the book by the cover. And uh, I've learned some things about you today. Uh, your fascination with pop music and Lady Gaga. <laughs> and uh, I, don't know, I have a whole new respect for you, I think, now. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad that I could uh, open up and show the Ring of Honor world a little bit more of uh, what is in Brody King's head. Yes, now we know the real Brody King. All right. Hey, Matt, th you've been so uh, generous with your time. So thanks, thanks once again. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I want to thank everybody out there for listening. Remember, a new episode of the ROH Strong podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Until next time, this is Kevin Eck saying stay safe, everyone, and let's all be ROH strong.